Welcome to another episode of Small Stocks, Big Money, our weekly podcast where we talk about small cap, emerging growth companies. Today we have Kirk Taylor, CFO of Royalty Management Holding Corporation, which trades on the NASDAQ under the ticker symbol RMCO. Kirk, welcome. Hi, Barrett. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So, Kirk, you've had an impressive career in accounting and auditing before joining Royalty Management. Can you share a bit about your background and how it prepared you for your current role? Absolutely. So I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My my father left corporate America, started his own business when I was uh, not even out of elementary school. I went to school understanding the desire to to know and learn what makes businesses succeed and what make, makes businesses fail. I studied accounting and finance in high school and college. Um, I went to big corporate accounting firm in Chicago. And really that allowed me to understand how both small, medium, and the largest companies in the country uh, utilize numbers and finance for success. Controls that are needed, structures that are needed, and things that also are not needed. And as we came back to form our companies as entrepreneurs, we focused on things that were meaningful, not just for show. And so I think that really resonates with both investors. It resonates with our partners because I understand when we ask for something in a deal document or due diligence, we ask for it because it matters and not because we're trying to pad the file. We're a group of, of doers, and that is, again, is, is born out of 20 plus years of seeing firsthand what works and what, what doesn't work. Understood. I think that's incredibly important, especially in today's market environment. Too often, I feel that small cap companies don't do a lot of doing and instead do a lot of talking. So I'm happy to see there are a few good eggs out there. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We, yeah, I agree. So Royalty Management has a unique approach to identifying undervalued assets. Can you tell our listeners more about this strategy and how it contributes to the company's success? Yeah, it's a good question. So sometimes you have to look at an opportunity, not for what it is today, but what it will be tomorrow. And that's often our value proposition with partners. If I look to invest in a package that is fully wrapped and with a silver bow on it. I'm not going to achieve value. I'm not going to bring value to my partner. Uh, I'm not going to achieve value for my shareholders. I'm going to hit the easy button. And oftentimes that does not lend itself to a leading mentality. We try to find opportunities that maybe have some dirt on them. Well, liter literally, I guess, and figuratively. And that with our help, with our experience, capital and experience, those two things combined can advance that opportunity to a point where it generates nice free cash flow returns, or it gets so pretty that someone wants to come and take it off our hands for a nice premium. Understood. So it seems like you've got a multifaceted strategy, whether that's increasing uh, revenue, free cash flow, or EBITDA for the companies that you acquire, or just uh, making the opportunity so attractive that perhaps a private equity firm or a, a larger resources firm uh, takes a look at the project, says, hey, 
maybe I could throw down a couple dollars and own this for myself and add to my free cash flow. Very interesting business model, especially in a landscape where most royalty companies prioritize profit above all else. I know that royalty management likes to balance that profit with benefits like job creation and environmental impact. So how challenging is it to maintain that balance and how does it affect your overall business strategy? No, that's great. Yeah, great question, great clarification. We believe in the fundamental right of, of having a job, providing meaningful employment into the communities that we invest in, bringing jobs that actually fit skill sets of the community, bringing technology along with the jobs. And that allows for local engagement beyond just a wage. And those are the opportunities that we seek out. But I mean, honestly, Barrett, they, they start to seek us out because they understand that we're not looking for only a financial return. We're looking for financial and social return as well. And so those, those opportunities just continue to, to, to bring themselves to us. Going back to how traditional royalty companies are structured, most of them pay a dividend straight out of the gate. But if you look at their portfolio, most of those junior royalty companies or early stage royalty companies are not cash flow positive. They're actually going out, hitting the equity market to fund dividend payments, which can make dividend investors happy, but it doesn't make common shareholders happy. And so we've had to balance that portfolio approach. So not only do we look for you know, long-term financial and social gains, we also look for opportunities that are generating near-term or current uh, cash flow, whether that's in the form of uh, interest payments on a note structure, whether that's an actual operating uh, mine um, that's generating current cash flow that can be expanded, you know, with our expertise and our help. But trying to have that balanced portfolio approach, I think, will not only bring in future dividend investors, but also protect the value of our common holders, um, and then as well as, as lift up the communities in which we operate and invest in. I think that's a very interesting point, Kirk. Uh, these other royalty companies, uh, if they're funding their dividends through their subsidiaries or different public vehicles underneath them, in a way that's unsustainable. And royalty management seems to be sustainable on two fronts, on a, uh, the economic front and the environmental front. So in my book, it's a win-win. I know uh, royalty management already has a strong track record of successful acquisitions and partnerships, could you share some notable examples and how they've contributed to the company's growth thus far? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one, of the, one of the initial investments it made was in a, in a development stage titanium mine in South Africa. And in the capital that um, Royalty was able to provide moved that project from pre-commercialization through development through permitting into commercialization stage and i think that's a, a really good proven track record of finding the right partners that can see projects through that that team it, the ferox team is is tremendous they have their own extensive history um and by picking premier operators to back you de-risk it from an investment standpoint it really helps push it forward um, in a meaningful way. The second one would be like a uh, would be Heartwater out of Austin, Texas. Uh, rainwater capture technology 
they're they're moving from um, one-off projects to full-scale commercialization where they can install rainwater capture on on industrial and municipal buildings capture it purify it and then bottle it for for resale and consumption they're one of the only uh, non-municipally owned permitted water districts which is amazing so in times of um, natural disaster in times of other crisis they can actually deploy their technology and be used in, as portable water, which is phenomenal social uh, outcome. But they've also been able to commercialize based on the investment, um, go from a pilot scale to to much larger scale. So those early stage successes really starts to bring in the deal flow and increases the quality of deal flow. As you can imagine, everybody wants an investment and generally the lower quality ones are the ones that are most desperate and will give you the best terms but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the best uh, investments for all parties so we're excited to have some early successes that then will kind of raise the bar uh, for our future opportunities that is exciting kirk so speaking about those future opportunities we're wondering what investors can expect from royalty management in the future any exciting projects or plans that you could share with our listeners today yeah, so so we're really excited for the investments that are already in place. We have two potential investments in the ag space, one more on actual physical production of high-end produce. The second is more on the sustainable handling of post-production waste. One's more physical asset, one's more of an IP investment. Can't really talk about them yet, uh, but they're really exciting and start to really tie in those themes that we talked about, bringing both economic returns, but then also environmental and social returns to our partners and also the communities in which we serve. And then there are then there start to be synergies between portfolio companies, which is also you know one plus one plus one equals like seven. So we're really excited to start putting those things together and talking about them publicly. Those are probably, you know, first quarter next year type type items, but uh, excited to continue this dialogue as well. That's great, Kirk. It was a real pleasure speaking with you today, learning more about RMCO. Yeah, thanks for having us and excited uh, for future discussions. Some of the companies featured on this episode are red chip client companies, and we may own stock in these companies. So please always read our disclosures at redchip.com.